Welcome to A Bevy of Bloods, a fan podcast to the Sydney Swans Football Club. My name's Noddy, joined as always by Steve-O, and in this episode number 27, we're going to be talking about the results of the Swans Club Champion Awards Night, a general summary of season 2021, a little bit of trade chat, and finish up with our predictions for the grand final between the Melbourne Demons and the Western Bulldogs. So to all you Signets and Swanlings out there, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. G'day, Steve-O. How are you going, mate? Yeah, mate. Going pretty well. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Welcome back. How are you feeling now that every, all the dust has settled? How, how are things going with you, mate? Uh, fairly good. I mean, not amazing either, to be honest. I think I've, I've come to terms with that disappointing loss we had in the finals against the Giants. And, and now as if that wasn't enough of a smack in the guts, I'm trying to come to terms with losing two of our better players in the offseason. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm up to. And we'll dig into that in detail as we get into the episode. But just to recap, obviously, after that tragic one-point loss to GWS in the elimination final, the Swannies season is officially over. With the season done, we thought we'd do a summary of the whole season, but also try something a little different from our regular podcast format. With this in mind, we're very pleased to announce that we'll be joined by a very special guest by the name of Jules. I can safely say that Jules is just about the biggest Swans fan I've ever met. Uh, g'day, Jules. How are, you do- how are you doing? Thanks for joining the show today. G'day, Noddy and Steve-O. I'm doing really well. Thank you very much for having me. Good stuff. I, um, so obviously, Jules, I've, I've met you a couple of times on a quick bevy with Swans fans, which is the uh, other Swans fan podcast that I <laughs> spend my time doing uh, with Chris, during which I, I, I met you and I was completely blown away by your passion and knowledge of the Swans, but also just footy in general. And I thought to myself, I mentioned to Steve, I was like, man, we really got to try and get Jules onto a Bob, a bevy of bloods. Um, and thankfully, you agreed. So uh, here we are. But obviously, with this being the first time that Steve has met you and also our listeners um, to meet you, would you mind just introducing yourself and giving a quick glimpse into your history as a Swans fan? Absolutely. What a warm introduction that was. Yes. Hi, everyone. I was born in South Melbourne, so I'd like to think that this has been in my blood from birth. But then I actually spent the the subsequent 10 years of my life overseas before then settling in Sydney, where my love for the Swannies was further consolidated and and grew from there. So yes, 100% diehard fan through and through. That's fantastic. I I just... Uh, a comment without notice, Jules, uh, I know we were speaking um, after the, the last episode of A Quick Bevy um, about just how much of a Swans fan you are. And I don't know if we want to share this story here now that we're recording. <laughs> I probably should have given you a heads up. But you told me a story and you can share it if you want about just how, uh, like, uh, like, so my, my understanding, so the 2012 grand final, yes. I, I think... There was an amazing. You had an. You were there. You had an amazing time. You can. You can tell the story, or you. You don't have to. But you, the story that you told me last time. Do you know the one I'm talking yes. about? Yes. Yes. I can share a small synopsis. Um, okay, not necessarily all the details, just in case my mum listens to the uh, to, to this. But um, look, uh, what a grand day we had at the MCG in 2012. Um, obviously, massive win, and then a big party on the middle of the MCG afterwards. Um, unfortunately for me, though, in all of my excitement running from the MCG onwards to the CBD for some extra um, special partying, um, I jumped off a set of stairs and landed, um, unfortunately, on my right arm, which snapped in four places. And then I spent oh. the the evening in hospital as they were trying to reset it back into place. 
Um, don't be too concerned though. I was able to get up the following day and head straight to, to Lakeside Oval for, um, you know, further celebrations. But um, uh, I wasn't expecting to return to return home with a broken arm, but um, it was all worth it. That's fantastic. I mean, the, the, not your arm breaking, obviously. That, that was, you know, hard to hear. But the fact that you were just straight back out to, to Lakeside and, and celebrating, I just thought, oh, man, Jules is so hardcore. So, yeah, thank you again for coming on today. And, um, yeah, we're just really stoked to have you on. So, yeah, here we go. All right. So, basically, we're going to start off with our end-of-year awards. And I'm um, kick off with a few announcements. Obviously, Club Champion Awards Night has come and gone. Um, so, Jules, I might throw over to you um, to give us the top three with the points, followed by fourth to tenth, and some of the other awards that the Swans gave out. Absolutely, yes. So just a reminder for everybody, um, for the Swans top 10, five coaches give a maximum of 10 votes per player for each round. So it's a maximum votes um, of 50 uh, per one player. So in terms of how everybody went, it was uh, Mr Luke Parker, uh, no surprises there, I suppose, who took out the, the Bob Skilton medal with 543 points followed by Jake Lloyd in second place, taking out the Adam Goods medal with 504. Jordan Dawson with Peter Bedford medal in third with 202. And Tom Papley in fourth, Callum Mills in fifth. Then right rounding out the top 10 was Tom Hickey, Isaac Heaney, Justin McInerney, Oliver Florent and Buddy Franklin. In terms of the other awards, Luke Parker was voted the Players Player, Paul Kelly Players Player Award. Colin O'Reardon was voted the best clubman. Justin McInerney, no surprises, most improved. Errol Goulden was our rising star. Lewis Taylor, the VFL Player of the Year. And Adam Goulden, the VFL Squad Player of the Year. Awesome. So we, um, it was another uh, a fairly tight finish there, I guess. So um, Parker joins Bill Williams, Ron Clegg, Jared Healy, Adam Goods and Josh Kennedy to have won three Bob Skilton medals. Um, and obviously, uh, big news was Parker has re-signed for four years. Um, that'll take him through to the end of season 2025. And we might talk about him later on when we talk about some trade stuff. But in terms of uh, how the Swans official top 10 count uh, compared to our unofficial, very much fan-based um, evaluation through the year of a bevy of Bloods rankings, we weren't too far off. So we had all of the players that made the top 10 in the Swans made uh, the ABOB uh, top 10, which we're calling the Luke Parker medal now these days, um, apart from Justin McInerney. So we had, um, so the Swans had Justin McInerney in the top 10 and we had Josh Kennedy in the top 10. They were the two uh, variances there. Um, and other than that, we have a different scoring system. So we, steve and I would just give 54321 best on, um, uh, based on best on ground. Um, and so our, our points were much fewer because there's obviously not five uh, coaches voting with a maximum of 10. So I think uh, Luke Parker came first in 95. So that was the main difference there. I'll throw it over to you, Steve-O. Um, if you've got any other comments there about um, Swans top 10 versus ABOB top 10. Um, otherwise, I think we're going to hear from you about the Brownlow. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think one of the big differences between our top 10 and the Swans one is the scoring system. So you're going to get more players being advantaged in the Swans one if they've played more games because that's more chances to accumulate 
lots of points, whereas we only give points to the best handful of players. So those sort of middle tier players struggle to get high scores, I guess, in our sort of one or in the Brownlow as well. Um, but in the Brownlow, we had pretty good turnout. I mean, 15 players got votes, which is a really good spread. If you compare that to the other top six teams, the Cats had 17 players get votes, Lions 13. The two grand final teams, Dogs and Melbourne, only got 11 different players and Port 10. So we had a really good spread, which was nice to see a lot of players getting the attention of the umpires. Um, Callum Mills was our best. He got 18. Parker got 17. Uh, Franklin Heaney Kennedy all got eight. Dawson got six, and then um, Hickley, Papley, Florent, Goulden, Hayward, Lloyd, Hewitt, McLean, and Chad Warner all got votes. So, yeah, most of the same names we had at the top of our one. Um, again, the big difference is that we had um, in, in our ABOB medal, we had Kennedy quite high, just like the Brownlow did with the umpires because he had a couple of really good games across the season. But, yeah, otherwise, really, really pleasing turnout with the Swans at the Brownlow this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was um, there was a couple of points there that um, – I think it's Errol Goulden. He joined maybe four or five other Swans to have received um, Brownlow points in his first ever game. So that, that that was quite a quite an achievement. And also, I think they were saying that Hickey had played what was it like a hundred and two games and not had a single vote. And then and then this year he's he's gotten four. Is that did you guys hear something like that? Is that about right? Um, I was aware of the the Goulden one for sure. Um, the Hickey one I hadn't heard. No, but that sounds right. Yeah. Well, um, that was probably in line with my expectations of how um, we thought Hickey was going to perform, but he obviously uh, had a stellar year, and we'll talk about that later on. Other than the ones we just mentioned, um, we're going to have a few honourable mentions here. So uh, just quickly talk about the All-Australian squad. So obviously Franklin, Mills, Papley and Parker made the squad, and then Tom Papley was successful in making the final 22. Final 22. Um, Jules, do you think that there are any swans that were a bit stiff not to even make the squad? Yeah, I think his name comes up just about every year. It's a perennially underrated Jake Lloyd. Um, I think he was a bit unlucky. He averaged more disposals um, than any other defender and was among the league's top 15 players for average ranking points, rebound 50s, metres gained and, and intercept. So he's pretty handy back there. I also think Tom Hickey had a terrific year, although um, that might be a little bit uh, biased, I think. So I think, yeah, we'll go with Jake Lloyd. The AA snub was probably the most glaring, I think, from our side of things. Bang on. And I think Steve-O and I spoke about that. We even looked at, because it was Bailey, um, what's his name? Bailey Yeah, Bailey Dale. The dogs. Bailey Dale, Dale. yeah. Bailey Dale. So Bailey Dale has one All-Australian jacket and Jake Lloyd has zero. Tell me how that makes sense. Ridiculous, isn't it? Anyway, um, I guess we could talk about that for a while, but uh, well, <laughs> rising star, right? We'll, we'll move on to something more positive. Rising star. Um, so Juzzy was, Justin McInerney came fourth, Golden came fifth, and then obviously we had Campbell and Warner uh, getting nominations early on too. Other than that, there was the AFLPA nominations. Um, MVP was uh, Mills, Parker, Hickey. These were all just nominations. Uh, most courageous was Tommy McCartan. Best first-year player was Errol Golden, who actually won it. Um, and he won by 160 votes, so he was the clear winner, um, best best rookie as judged by his peers. And then, of course, there was the best captain, which is an automatic selection winner, the captain, Rampy, Parker, and Kennedy. But, Steve-O, I know all too well uh, just what you think about Errol Goulden, but <laughs> do you want to quickly make some closing, closing comments on his year? 
Quickly, how quickly is quickly? How long have we got to talk about <laughs> talk about Errol? Um, look, he's great. I mean, like we just said, he got Brownlow votes in his first game. From the second he, he ran on the field, he just looked at home. And I've heard people say that when he was coming through the draft. I was talking to my brother, actually, because he follows the draft really closely. And he was saying that, you know, recruiters have been saying all the way since his young years that every single time he takes a step up to a new level in football, he looks at home straight away because there's not much wrong in his game. So he's able to transition well, and he did. He was amazing from the start. Um, and we got him for a steal, like an absolute steal. I think we got him with pick 32 was where the bid came in the end in the draft at the end of last year. And if they redid that draft now, he's probably a top five bid. So we've done really well on him. He's certainly the best of that uh, draft group to play this year. And I can't wait to see what he does in 2022 and further. You know, he's great. Absolutely. Um, and finally, just quickly, um, the 22 under 22. So the best 22 of players, 22 years and under. Um, we had a few nominations there. So again, Goulden, McInerney, Rowbottom and McCartan were all nominated. And only Tommy McCartan was selected this time. And I believe it's fan voted. Um, I don't think it's a player uh, voted one. So it's not, you, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I thought that uh, Goulden probably <laughs> deserved to get in there as well, considering all his other accolades. But Obviously, the fans thought otherwise. Um, in terms of goal of the year and mark of the year, we had a few Swannies in both categories. Um, Papley was nominated for goal of the year five times this year, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, we, yeah, with Hayward, uh, Marty, and um, uh, I've got Papley here. That's Heaney, I think, um, once each. And mark of the year, we only had two, unfortunately. So we had Heaney and Dawson nominated uh, once each. And Heaney's mark was beaten in that round by Cody Waitman's screamer over Max Gorn. I just want to quickly ask you guys who, who was better Heaney or, or Waitman? Yeah, look for me, as much as I love Heaney and geez, he can take a screamer, but Waitman's over, over Max Gorn, particularly when you take into account, you know, that opponent and the size difference and what have you, I think, uh, yeah, his, his was, uh, his, his was tough to go past, I think. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. How about you, Steve? I totally agree. I mean, actually, I had I wasn't so I didn't really remember the Cody Waitman one. I just had to look it up just before on YouTube as we were chatting before we started recording. I definitely remember Heaney's one. It was amazing, but uh, yeah, I got to agree with Jules. I think the Cody Waitman's was better. It was incredible, wasn't it? And yeah. um, I guess you'd be feeling pretty boyish. I'm um, oh, sorry, bu- bullish. Let's say buoyant. Um, if you're a Bulldogs fan with him coming back into the team, um, and we'll get onto that later on. All right, so. Now we're up to segment three, which is the, the main part of this uh, special episode. It's the season 2021 summary. Um, and we're basically just going to have a few talking points and I'll, I'll throw over to Steve and Jules and then flip, it, flip the order up for each question. I'll let you guys know as we go along. Um, but basically, we're just going to have a general discussion about how the season went for our beloved blood. So um, let's get into it. So um, I guess the first section is what do we keep doing? What went right? Um, Jules, I'll throw over to you first. Yeah, thanks. Look, I think a lot went right, didn't it, really, when we think about it. Um, Callum Mills in the midfield, that's an absolute no-brainer going forward. Really liked Blakey, the lizard. He has certainly flourished in the move to halfback. But, you know, the thing that I take away from this season that I just really want to see us continue to develop is our game style and the confidence the young boys have shown. It just needs to be, you know, continue to be encouraged, um, you know, one particular stat, you know, that really comes to mind is that we were the best in the league at our transition from defensive 50 to inside 50. So we really want to keep up that defensive integrity, but keep backing our offensive game. Yeah, definitely. steve Um 
I want to resist the temptation to throw Isaac Heaney into the midfield. So I guess the thing I want to keep doing is keep him playing forward because I guess there is that temptation with a really raw midfield, you know, besides Mills, Parker and Kennedy, and with Kennedy, you know, he's getting older. There's going to be that temptation to throw Heaney in there if you want a more mature and elite player in there. But I just think he's such a match winner in the forward half. Um, he's kicked three or more goals eight times this year. He got four in the elimination finally, almost dragged us over the line. Him and Parker almost almost got us there on the back of their efforts. And I think he's one of the toughest players to match up for opposition defences because he's so good overhead. He's so good at ground level. He's so agile. He's quick. He, um, he runs really hard lines up and down the ground and back into the 50 to present an option. And I think that that sort of forward asset, okay, he's probably not going to win us the game every week, but he might win us five or six or you know even more games a year. So I'd rather have him in the forward line where he can really be a game breaker like that. Well, I agree with all your points there, guys. And I'm just going to add... Um kicking goals and having multiple avenues to goal. So at the end of the home and away season, Swans were second overall for goals scored with 293. We were behind only the Lions in first on 313 and in front of the eventual grand finalists, Bulldogs, who were third on 288. Also of the teams that made the finals, we had seven players who were in the top 100 goal scorers um, with a tally of 204 goals and that ranked us second best. So Melbourne and Essendon also had seven players each, but we beat them by 10 and 14 goals respectively. Only the Lions and Giants had more individual goal scorers in the top 100 goal scorers with eight players each. Um, And while the Lions tally of 254 ranked them first in the league, the Giants tally of 189 ranked them fifth. So our goal scoring was excellent and our spread of goal scorers was excellent. So absolutely love to continue that. Um, And while we do that, we need to keep developing our tools, McLean, Amadi, and McDonald. Righto. What do we stop doing? So what what didn't go right? Um, Over to you, Steve-O, first. Uh, Number one thing for me is stop losing games to teams that are below us on the ladder. I mean, how many times did that happen? We lost to Gold Coast, Hawthorne. We can even look at the St Kilda losses, the first Fremantle loss, the the first loss to the Giants. Um, I mean, okay, they made the finals in the end, but they were still below us on the ladder. Um, and, you know, we get one of them back. Any one of Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Saints, Frio and the Giants and win the top four and we have a totally different chance at a final series. Yeah, that's it for me, number one. Hmm. How about you, Jules? Yeah, Steve, that, that top four spot just went begging in the end, which really, really hurt us. The other thing that stood out for me is, is just losing the key players right before our do-or-die final. Kennedy and Mills, that was just so costly. It probably didn't help, you know, not having a full roster of staff, keeping an eye on things, especially when Mills had that awful two weeks in isolation. Um, so, look, I think I think for us, just, just around that planning and just, you know, the injury management at, at key times, I think, you know, it w- you know w- would be good to you know, stop happening, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to dig in a bit further and say, like, we need to stop going AWOL within a quarter. And it's not necessarily any particular quarter. It's just a quarter, whatever that quarter is that we're, we just have a shocker in. So we had very bad first quarters against the Cats in round seven, the Pies in round nine, and the Giants in round 12. We gave up 28, 18, and 29 points respectively. However, we managed to rally in these games and we ended up winning by two 30 and 26 points respectively. That's a good example or or a lucky example. We weren't anywhere as lucky uh, when we gave up 28 points in the third quarter to Fremantle in round 10, 27 points in the third quarter uh, against the Suns in round six, and 24 points 
in the second quarter of the elimination final against the Giants, um, and which we lost um, two points, 40 points, and one point, heartbreakingly, respectively. So for me, it's just about that consistent four-quarter performance. It sounds like horse at the end of a game, but yeah, it really just, just need to be in it, in, in the mix for every single quarter. If we, uh, we get on the back foot uh, too much within a single quarter and you know things can get out of our control and that's what we need to work against. All right, so what do we start doing? What are, what are some things that we need to think about implementing or bringing on board? Um, how about, I think we're kicking off with Steve-O this time. All right. Uh, I mean, this ties in what I just said about not dropping games we should um, we should win. And also what you've just said about going missing for quarters at a time or within a quarter or, or whatever. And it's that consistency, that concentration, and that comes with maturity, I think. Um, because even though we had a really successful season, we've still got a lot of players who are relatively inexperienced. Um, that showed in the final, I think. And it showed in these games throughout the year where we, we had quite poor periods where we were very up and down, not just within um, like match to match, but within games. So yeah, a bit of more maturity and that'll come with time as well. Mm. How about you, Jules? Yeah, look, I, I've sort of got my eyes on, um, on, on the, on the trade period a bit, to be honest, and I'm sure that we'll, you know, we'll get to that. But for me, it's, um, it's drafting a, a good tall key defender, uh, that elimination final and, and, and watching Milliken, um, a, a bit out at sea back there, um, is, is really playing on my mind. So yeah, that's, that's number one for me in terms of what we start doing. I don't think you're the only Swans fan to, to have thought that Jules, it's a, a very good point. And yeah, we'll, um, we'll get into that, uh, a bit later on. Um, for me, um, obviously, while we need to keep scoring uh, with multiple avenues of goal um, or to goal, um, we actually need to increase our inside uh, 50 efficiency. So what, what I mean is I think we really need to take our chances. And I think that ties into Steve O's point about maturity and games experience. But how many times this year, um, not the elimination final as well, did we see totally gettable goals um, go, go begging? So um, in our last episode for the year, I mentioned that the elimination final loss was actually our lowest conversion in a quarter where we scored more than one goal all year. Um, so we had uh, 43% overall inside 50, um, inside 50 efficiency that game. Um, our average for the whole year, however, was 47%, which ranked us 10th. Um, so not good enough for an aspiring top four team. Um, ahead of us were all the other teams that made the finals, as well as two teams that didn't. Carlton in fourth on 49% and Adelaide in seventh on 48%. So for me, it's just we really, really need to um, up our conversion and take our chances. Um, and again, that's going to come with a bit of time and, and, and coolness under pressure. So um, in terms of our favorite moments of the year, what, what are we thinking here, guys? We'll kick off with Jules. Yeah, well, there were actually quite a few highlights, which is which is nice given the, the last couple of years that we've had. But for me, the standout was the win against GWS. To be down 50 to 16 midway through the second quarter and to kick 12 of the last 14 goals was just simply amazing. But I think the real standout was actually the scenes after the game and the emotion shown by everyone, players, staff, just really displayed how united the team was. And it was actually quite beautiful to watch from a fan's perspective. I'll second that. I, I actually loved the look of a, a slightly teary-eyed horse. Um, it just yeah, somehow brought, brought me closer to the club. <laughs> How about you, steve I really like the Richmond win. Hey, I mean, they ended up struggling in, in 2021, but at the time, that was, what, round three, I think, round four? 
um, yep. like really, really early in the season, round three, really early in the season. And at that time, this was a team that finished in the bottom four last year, absolutely belting the premiers on their home grounds. That was amazing. I don't think I was more buzzed after any win this year than that one. That was a really, really exciting and unexpected win when we we're still in a stage of thinking this is probably like another rebuild sort of year. And then we go and knock off the premiers in Melbourne. It was a good one, wasn't it? And I think Sammy Wicks was probably a bit stiff not to get any Brownlow votes that that game because he had an absolute blinder. I think kick three and was all over the park. But for me, guys, it was it was our biggest win of the year, and that was against the Eagles down in Geelong. Um, and it's a bit like the Tigers, we didn't know how big the Eagles' troubles were at that point of the season, about halfway through. But it, it, it so it felt like a statement game against a, a fellow top eight contender. You know, um, it was also the start of our five game winning streak. Um, which was one of the reasons got getting us into the final, um, but it was our long, longest streak all year. Um, and it was roughly about halfway through um, our eventual, what was it, 10 or 12 weeks on the road. So, um, yeah, for me, it was, it was just a, a great game. It was, it was played at a neutral venue, um, but we, we had the majority of the supporters uh, with a really solid showing from the, the South Melbourne faithful who made the trip from obviously Melbourne down to Geelong. And I just thought, yeah, looking back, it was, it was fantastic. Um, Conversely, though, what was the low point? And we'll go with you, Steve-O. Uh, I mean, seeing what was probably the end of Sam Reed's career, I guess, when he was dropped just before finals and McLean was favoured ahead of him, it looks like he slipped enough in the pecking order and we might not be seeing too much more of him in the scene. It was a shame because he's been a favourite player of mine and I think a lot of a lot of Swans people for a long time. And he's had a, an up-and-down career for various reasons, but overall, I think he's been a great contributor and, um, yeah, we, we might have seen the end of him. I think his contract status is pending, but um, we can talk about that after as well. Um, how about you, Jules? Yeah, look, for me, the low point was the end. It was the elimination mm. final. It was just uh, it was just a really gut-wrenching way to finish at what was a, a really, you know, positive season. So that I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling a bit down about that. So mm. definitely the low point for me. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one there, Jules. It was, um, apart from that, um, so for me, it was like no more games at the SCG, I think after round 13 against the Hawks. That was our last game leading uh, at home, leading into the bye, which was also a shocking loss. So it was a bit flat at that point. Um, and then also was the, the weekly looming prospect that, we, that, we, that Buddy might have to kick his thousandth goal in a completely empty stadium, which just kept, kept me up at night. Sometimes I just hated the feeling of that. Um, obviously, and you've spoken about this um, already, Jules, in our um, management of players, losing some key players through that Wallabies game COVID infringement just seemed like just like really wasteful um, and something that didn't have to happen. I know that, you know, players were just living their lives and, and, and doing things um, in society that were allowable at the time. But on, on, you know, in hindsight, you'd think, okay, it's a pretty precarious situation. Maybe we just keep everyone... Um, in just in case and obviously you know I think it was um, Mills, Cunningham, uh, Sinclair and O'Reardon in the end that uh, got pinged there but uh, Mills missed out on the EF and dot 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 what you know could he have been the difference so I don't that was it for me it was a mix of few things but um, best and fairest guys um, who was your best and fairest and we'll kick off with Jules. Yeah, look, it is Callum Mills by quite a margin. Um, and then when you, you factor in that he spent the, you know, basically the entire year managing Achilles tendonitis and as a fellow athlete, um, I, I, I can really sympathise with that injury. That, that takes a long time um, to heal and can be very debilitating. So, you know, given all of that and, and still the performances that he put out, yeah, he's, you know, quite a mile, our best and fairest, I think. 
Have you um have you ever had that that as well, um, Jules? Achilles tendonitis? Not, not, not that- in the Achilles, but I've had another tendonitis, and they just they just hang around. Um, and ah. and 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 it's the sort of injury that you gotta you gotta keep moving. Um, but you can't have too much pressure put on it. And I think that two weeks because of that bloody Wallabies game, um, it just, it just put, it just put him in a spot where he just wasn't up to his normal routine and they just, they just could, they just couldn't get it into a place that he could use it again. And it was just, yeah, very disappointing. Frustrating, wasn't it? Um, mm. How about you, Steve-O? Who did you, who did you have as your BNF? Mills as well for me. I mean, I know that the Swans BNF and also our own um, bevy of bloods medal gave it to Luke Parker, but I think Callum Mills is our best player this year. I mean, if you go back and look at his points per game in both in both our medal and the Swans medal, he's miles ahead of, of the field. He had a fantastic year and not having him in that final really hurt us. Yeah, guys, I'm going to follow your sentiment here and say Callum Mills. Um, I'll just have a quick shout out for fantasy as well he was epic in fantasy he was our biggest scorer averaging 110 for the year which is the 10th best player in the AFL um, and only playing 18 games too as you as you touched on there as Parker was our next best at 99.3 and then Lloyd with 98.2 Mills averaged more than Darcy Parrish who averaged 105 but uh, don't tell the guys who pick the All-Australian team because mm-hmm. it's, it's not like they usually rely on hard stats to pick the team or anything but I just thought that was um yeah, a bit of bullshit, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no, no, look, look, look out next year is all <laughs> yeah. I can say, because if he can stay fit, he's going to give yeah. that Brownlow a fair nudge, I think. Yep. Absolutely. Sure. Good and call. Parrish, come on. I mean, really, I was I was gobsmacked when Parrish, even more so, I think, than that Bulldogs halfback flanker, whatever his name is. Um, I was shocked when Parrish made the All-Australian team. <laughs> I was like, what is this? It was, it was on the bench, but still, like, uh, yeah, I couldn't couldn't believe it. No. Uh, but bit of Vic bias coming through there, but yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll just capture it again. Well, you heard it here first, Jules, our, uh, our Swans fan, pas- most passionate Swans fan. I'm just going to go out there. She's, <laughs> she's predicted uh, Callum Mills to win the Brownlow in 2022. So yeah, that happens, not at all everyone... one-eyed, eh? Not yeah. at all one-eyed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we'll put it here. No, if it happens, top five, a... 100%. <laughs> top five. Oh, you look at, you're, you're pulling, you're pulling back a bit here. Um, if it, do you have a, a beverage of choice? Do, are you partial to any type of beverage in particular? Look, it's fair to say that I'm I'm, I'm pretty open to most. Um, but look, I think I think I think a a, a, a pretty crappy SCG beer, um, you know, in a plastic cup, sounds pretty good right about now. So I reckon that that'd probably be it. I, I'm I'm in that one. I was going to suggest yeah. a nice bottle of French champagne, but I'll definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll raise that and get you four beers at the SCG next time. Oh, brilliant. Uh, correct. <laughs> brilliant. I feel it's like probably... we'll have that opportunity before the Brownlow gets announced. So there'll definitely be uh, some beers coming your way, hopefully at the SCG next year, Jill. Um, all right. So um, what were you guys most surprised by this year? Like what was surprise packet? What was left field for you? How about um, we'll kick off with Steve-O here. Uh, mine was Chad Warner because I think he played two games in 2020, two or three games, I think two in 2020. And he was sort of on a half forward flank, maybe forward pocket. wasn't really clear what his, his role was. He looked a bit at sea a bit of the time. And coming into this season, I didn't expect that he'd be turning into within a couple of games, you know, one of our most important um, center square players and to be as damaging as what he was. So, yeah, he was my absolute out of the blue one for this year. Yeah, the Chad was unreal, wasn't he? Um, how about you, Jules? 
Yeah, it seems like I didn't have the inside knowledge that Steve-O had on uh, Errol Goulden because um, <laughs> you my, my brother, he's the one to think. He's got all the information. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that I mean that that was just completely out of the box for me. He is an absolute jet. So yeah, he was he he was my my big surprise packet. Um, otherwise, it was our sites transformation. To be honest with you, in terms of our game style and, and transforming into a mu- a must watch side. You know, electric ball movement and aggressive game style. So I think a big uh, props and thanks to Don Pike for his influence in that because it's just been fabulous to have, you know, probably the most exciting side in the comp to support. Yeah, it's been great. And I think at this point um, we haven't heard his name meant tied to any of those big, big clubs that are um, well, not Collingwood anymore, but maybe Carlton. So, yeah, glad he could uh, be off. staying with us. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Hands off, Don Pike. Um, for me, guys, it was it was Tom Hickey. Um, yeah, as I said, I need to eat my hat. I was pretty down on him and the trade and the circumstances that it happened at the end of last year, but I, I'm willing to um, admit that I was wrong. He had an absolute blinder. Um, I truly wondered whether a fourth club journeyman Ruckman could give us anything, but he he just proved me and every, I think a lot of people wrong. His career best effort. Um, which helped to soften the loss of Valir, um, even though I'm still a bit ginger about that. Um, similarly, uh, going from five wins in 2020 to 15 wins in 2021, our equal, big, uh, equal biggest leap in win-loss, and from 16th place in 2020 to 6th place this year, our second ever biggest leap in ladder position improvement were monumental efforts um, and just so pleasing. So that was probably what I was surprised by the most. Um, in terms of positions, um, team positions, player positions. What do we need to bolster to improve our list? And we'll kick off with Jules here. Yeah, look, since Mumford left, um, I've never been overly thrilled with our ruck situation. Um, There's no doubt that Hickey has been amazing, but he is in the twilight years and looking like he's being held together by tape. Um, (laughs) So, look, if he goes down you know, this miscellaneous group of kind of misfit backups um, do not instill me with a lot of confidence and certainly not if we're going to go for a premiership tilt. So that that's yeah. an area that I've, I've definitely got some question marks around, especially with sinks being extended. Um, mm. the, the, other, the other area is we do need some tall timber down back. Um, I don't mind the idea of, of going after someone like a Daniel Talia if we could get him. You know, do I dare say we're now in a premiership window? Um, <laughs> and if, if that's the case, thinking about what the Hawks did when they drafted Brian Lake just in time for their three-peat, it might be worth considering what we need for right now, you know, or the, or the next year or two. And perhaps, you know, I'm daring to dream a bit, but I think, um, yeah, just, 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 just trying to get the, the right sort of um, cattle in place, you know, to really go after it in the next couple of years. Mm, exciting. Um, Steve-O, how about you, mate? Um, I guess I'm, I'm not quite up to where you're up to, Jules, in terms of the premiership. We know I reckon we're very close. <laughs> like we're, we're standing at the window and we're, we're looking through it, but we're not quite in it, but almost. So one thing I think we could really use to get to that real, you know, contending for flags rather than pushing into the top four sort of spot would be midfield depth. Because I think um, not having Mills and Kennedy in that elimination final really exposed our lack of depth through the midfield. And next year, we're going to be without Hewitt, who was second in our best and fairest in 2019. And okay, he's not a superstar, but he's still a very solid AFL player who will be missed 
um, in his role and what he does every week. Um, Warner and Robottom, uh, they're up and comers. You know, they're still very young. We can't expect too much from them. We don't know whether they're going to be ready to take on a more senior role right away. Florent is a bit hard to place. He looks maybe like he's a bit more suited to a wing or halfback. Um, guys like Goulden, Campbell and Bell probably eventually move into the midfield, but again, they're still very raw, so maybe not straight away. So, you know, we're, we've got some exciting depth in this position, but not, not depth that can maybe come in and put us into a premiership space straight away. So I would love to get a really strong inside ball winner. It would be really nice. You know, somewhere between age 22 and 26, are they going to be around for those, you know, three, four, five years that we're really contending? But I'm not confident that we'll get one if there's salary problems because the sort of player that I would like for that slot, we probably can't afford if what we're hearing is true. Um, so it might be a bit of a pipe dream. Maybe we get something through the Dawson trade. We'll talk about that later. Um, I'd also be open to trading. Assuming we've got the money to pay them, I'd be open to trading our first round pick this year, which is pick 12 for a solid replacement for Hewitt type player, um, just to really bolster that midfield up and get one more sort of either high B grader or, or low A grader in there. Yeah, I think you guys are both right, to be honest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on key position defender, um, as Jules touched on, um, but not, not so much in the vein of um, Tommy McCartan or you know, like an intercept player. So Tommy McCartan can do a bit of both. He can lock down and also intercept. And Lizard is obviously um, that, that third tall, but he's actually taller than Tommy McCartan. So he's good for spoiling, but his runoff half pack is, is just amazing, as, as Jules has already mentioned. But I'm talking about a tall back that can lock down the opposition's key forwards. So kind of like um, Sam Taylor for the Giants or, or Alex Keith for the Bulldogs. Um, obviously, we've got Lewis Melikin and... Um, you know, he's probably the one who's in um, prime position to make that his own. Um, yeah, obviously, Caden Brand has just been delisted. We'll talk about that later. Um, but he was only really a depth player at best. So it really is Melikan um, who is, you know, sort of driving his own destiny. But if his consistency lags and, um, you know, like, yeah, we, so we saw elements of it in the elimination final. Like, I'm not – this is not – certainly not – I'm not slagging off Melikan because I actually – I've always liked him. I've liked what he's done. Um, I know the club backs him, but it's all about consistency. So could a player like Sammy Reid, if he, if he gets extended, or Hayden McLean even, um, Amati or Barry O'Connor, could they get the, the key D role um, over the offseason? Or will we come to our senses and give Paddy McCartan a contract and, and, and have the two brothers playing down back? Um, otherwise, uh, a bit like Jules has said, if you're going for a stopgap solution, you know, there's Talia in Adelaide, Carlisle at St Kilda, um, Walker from the Ruse, Majak Dorr from Melbourne, and Hartley, who's a New South Wales boy from Hawthorne. They could be people that we could look at. Um, but if youth is preferred, um, to go in with Steve-O's comment that we're a couple of years away still, then um, I do like the look of Claverino um, from St Kilda, Steen from GWS, Murtag from the Suns, or Nuon from Richmond um, for these guys who can who could potentially play that role. Um, personally, though, I, th- I, I have a gut feeling that Hayden McLean will do very well down back. He's just, his running ability and his ability to read the ball and mark the ball in a, in a contest is as good as anyone um, that played in the Swans this year. Um, uh, Paddy McCartan played in the VFL down back all year. So he could, he could be an option if we pick him up. Otherwise externally, Clara, uh, Claverino um, or Murtug uh, from the Suns, I think would look good in the red and white. Um, all right. So guys, what is your overall score out of 10? this year and we'll kick off with steve 
I'm going to give two scores, which is kind of cheating, but I'm going to do it anyway. I love it. I love yep. it. Steve. <laughs> Mate, look, I, always, I always try and do that. I always try and get out of giving one concrete answer. <laughs> yeah, we, we just listed every single up and coming defender in the AFL in the previous ones. It wasn't every <laughs> covering single. all no, bases. <laughs> you know very well there's a, there's a tab here that has listed every single player out of contract, and I've listed their position, and I've selected. The most appropriate players. It was not every <laughs> single player. Thank you very much in my defense. Back to you, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, if it's based on what I expected in March this year, it's a 10 out of 10, without a doubt. I never thought we'd make the finals. Yeah. I never thought we'd be such an exciting up-and-coming team. I never thought we'd get so much out of our kids. But once it became clear that we were going to play finals, so around about after the bye-ish, um, it was pretty much a, a locked in that we we're going to get in the finals. I expected to go deeper into the finals. So that drops it down to about a seven, seven and a half for me. Okay. How about you, Jules? Yeah, I've gone with just a simple one number. I've gone for a nine out of 10. <laughs> well above expectations, but didn't capitalize when it really counted. Yeah. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trump all you guys and, and give a three-pronged answer here. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> incredible jump up the ladder. So 10 out of 10. However, officially, 8 out of 10. Would have been a 9 if we'd won that one final. So, officially, 8 out of 10. So, what's that? Steve-O gave a 7, uh, Jules gave a 9, and I gave an 8. So, pretty much all in the mix. Pretty good marks, though, if you think about it. Like, uh, at the end of last year, like, you know, I didn't think we'd, we'd be here. So, pleasing but disappointing, I think, um, is the, uh, the vibe of the year. Um, predictions for the Swans in 2022. Uh, what are you guys thinking um, will will come of next year? Um, how about you, Jules? Well, I think you you've both probably figured out I'm definitely a glass half full type of person, <laughs> and I've got I've got I've got high hopes. So look, I think after a sixth place finish this year and all of the disruptions that you know we did face as a Sydney side logistically with COVID, to be fair, I, I don't see why a top four spot is not possible. So here's hoping we can have a good trade period and see what happens. Nice. I like that. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I agree. I think the aim should be top four, um, you know, third to sixth at the very least. Anything anything less than that is a step backwards, really. And then aiming to at least win a final this year. But I think it's going to be tough because um, if I've been assessing this, and this is why when I say that I think we're probably just a bit shy of the premiership window right now, is because we're going to lose two very good players, one absolutely elite player in Dawson. And then Hewitt is also a very, very solid player. And they're going to drop out of our best 22, which means we've got to find replacements for them in the 22. So either we can bring in players from outside the club, or we've got to find that natural improvement from within our own squad, which means we're more than likely going to start the season next year with a week of best 22 than we had finishing this year. So there's, mm. there's certainly chances for guys like, you know, Warner Campbell, Robottom to step up, but, um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still optimistic. <laughs> I'm still optimistic that we can really have a crack at it and improve on last year, this year. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of echo your, your calls there and say, yeah, I, uh, actually maybe I'm a bit more conservative this is my um, I'm optimistic but a little bit um, nervous when it comes to making predictions about the Swans so I'm going to say fifth to eighth again um, but yeah look those younger guys as, as you both said you know they'll be a year better for it they've hold, had the experience they've had the heartbreak of, of the elimination final loss so you know get on the weights you know um, have a big off season and then yeah we should absolutely be daring to dream big for a top four finish. So I think we're all, well, similar 
similar sort of thoughts there. Um, so just very lastly, um, oh, sorry, quickly, lastly, guys, um, which player was missing from the EF uh, are you most keen to see run out in round one in 2022? Who are you giving an end of season bonus to and why? And what are you most looking forward to for season 2022? Um, we'll go um, Steve-O, uh, then Jules, and then me, and just answer those questions back to back. Okay, I'll fire him out. Um, I want to see Logan McDonald run out round one. Be really yep. happy to see him playing. Um, my end of year bonus goes to Don Plack for his work opening up the game style and really making the Swans like a, a really elite ball movement team and one that people make an effort to watch on the weekend, like non-Swans people want to watch. So big, mm. big end of season bonus going to Don Plack. And um, and then most looking forward to next year, um, continued development out of some of these young players. So I'd love to see full seasons or close to full seasons for guys like Brian Campbell, Errol Goulden, Chad Warner, um, uh, Robottom to, to take a step up after it's like his third or fourth year now. But these these sort of guys, some real good improvement out of them. Yeah, okay. Um, how about you, Jules? Yeah, look, I probably sound like a bit of a broken record with my love affair with with, with Callum Mills. Um, <laughs> certainly, certainly miss miss him in the elimination final, and and Noddy, I've decided to go all on, all in on that Brownlow bet. So um, it. as just love as it. I've been standing here thinking about that, um, <laughs> look, I'm I'm giving um, any extra cash that we may or may not have as a bonus to um, to, to Tom Hickey. I just yeah. think just he as a lucky dip. Geez, he was. He was so successful, and I think you know he he deserves the bonus there. And in terms of um, what I'm most looking forward to is yeah, watching the young boys build a bit of strength in the off season and come back firing. And also, you know, wouldn't it be nice to go to a game at the SCG and have a beer <laughs> bought bought for your boat by Noddy? That'd be yeah. uh, that'd be nice. <laughs> Absolutely, it would be my absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, I'm going to go lizard. Um, we really missed run and gun off the halfback as well as his pinpoint delivery inside 50. We can't forget that. How many times did he lace out Buddy this year when he was fit? Um, the bonus, I'm, I'm saying the Swans logistics staff, other than the Callum Mills miss. Um, you know, 12 weeks on the road um, from the 22nd of June is, is a mighty effort, um, you know, um, during all the, the COVID challenges. So, and to back it up after last year as well is pretty it was a pretty good effort. So, um, yeah, I could give them a little bit of uh, chocolates over the, over the holiday period. Um, in terms of looking forward to next year's Buddies 1000th on uh, in front of a crowd, um, buying stacks of beers for Jules. And uh, Steve, <laughs> imagine if you could make your way over from Finland for Buddies 1000th. But um, yeah, otherwise, Will Gould, I want him to, to have a, a really big crack at, at getting into the starting side. It's going to be very tricky again. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I have, I'm holding out hope that we uh, come to our senses and give Paddy McCartan a contract. And I would love to see him have a crack as well. Um, okay, guys, that's the end of the summary section. We're going to switch over to the trade chat now. Um, and we've obviously touched upon a few points throughout, um, but we'll dig into it a bit deeper here. Um, so obviously some big news in the uh, Swans end of season list and trade space. Um, Hayden McLean, Dylan Stevens have both extended for two years, while Gould, Fox and Sinclair have extend, extended for one year, um, as well as James Bell, who uh, has a games played extension trigger. Um, Caden Brand, Sam Gray, Maddie Ling and Malachi Carruthers were all delisted. Uh, thanks to those guys. Uh, furthermore, uh, Dawson has requested a trade back to SA and most recently nominated the Adelaide Crows as his preferred destination. 
Um, and George Hewitt is moving to Carlton, uh, reported to be on 450k a year over four years. So, general thoughts on extensions and delistings. How do you feel about Dawson? Where does he go? What is he worth? How the hell do we replace him? And how do we fill the Mr. Fix-It void that Hewitt is going to leave once gone? And we'll, we'll go with uh, Jules, Steve-O, and then me, and we'll do extensions. We'll do each question uh, at a time. So we'll just do extension, 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 and then move on to the other subtopics. So Jules, kick us off with your thoughts on extensions. Yeah, it was, it was good to see, um, you know, a lot of names in the extensions list. Um, but the biggest the biggest one for me was McLean. I, I was pretty concerned, to be to be honest with you, that we were going to lose him to the Saints. It sounded like they, they were showing a, a fair bit of interest. So I was really pleased, um, you know, that we got to keep on hold of him. You know, the other one that really stands out is, is Dylan Stevens, um, you know, someone who you know, very high draft pick um, and I think has a, a huge amount of potential. So another two years, you know, will really show us what, everything we need to know about Dylan and, and what his future will look like. So I think, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're the two big standouts for me on the extensions piece. Yep. steve Yeah, I'd agree with those two for sure. Um, and especially Stevens, I think, you know, it would have hurt to lose a top five draft pick before he's even had a chance to blossom after two pretty bad, COVID-affected first seasons in the AFL for him. Um, and we would have got nothing for him in a trade. Like, we've got an absolute garbage, you know, probably a pick in the 30s or worse had he gone in a trade because he's, you know, he's a kid who's barely played footy. Um, and I think with Dawson gone, he's got a chance now to really make an impact with his skills and his outside runs. So I'm hoping over the next, you know, year or two, we start to see, you know, the, the real promising signs that were clearly there when we took him with pick five. Yep, same with you guys. Um, absolutely over the moon that we've retained these guys. And I think there was an element of the the Parker and then the Dawson decisions pending um, before we, because it took a while for them to um, to make these announcements. I think it was only um, this week or late last week. So yeah, very happy. Obviously, um, as I've said, McClellan, I think could equally um, be a fantastic key defender for us if we don't find it, if we don't bring any experienced player in. Um, but yeah, two, two more years for them both to keep growing and show us what they've got. Uh, Robbie Fox just, I think, absolutely de- deserves that. Um, you know, after last year was delisted and relisted, um, and it was really one of our more consistent performers this year. Um, I thought it was a bit rough to to not get a call up in the EF uh, again, but otherwise, yeah, had a pretty good year, and I think he's just a really reliable, um, you know, depth player for us. Or oh, sorry, friend, not fringe. He's in the best um, twenty six for sure. Um, Will Gould, uh, very happy about. Um, yeah, just really want him to, as I said earlier, um, really you know, step up and, and show us why he was, um, you know, so highly touted in his draft year and, and you know, um, captain of SA, got in the Australian junior team. This guy has got some serious pedigree and uh, obviously we've got, the, you know, it's tough to crack into the back line, but, you know, I really want this year um, or next year for for that to be uh, Gould's challenge. Um, Cal Sinclair uh, deserved uh, one-year extension. Obviously, we need him for ruck depth, ruck depth. So I guess he's doing his podcast again next year, Conversations with Cal. Check it out. Um, all right, let's go on to delistings. Jules? Yeah, look, I mean, you can only have so much space on your list. So in all in all fairness, I think, I think most of these were, you know, pretty fair enough. Um, I think the biggest disappointment 
you know, out of these names is, is, is for me, is probably Gray. When we brought him over from Port, I, I definitely had higher aspirations for him. So that, that's a bit disappointing. But, yeah, look, it's all part and parcel of, um, you know, the trade period and, and list sizes and all these sorts of things. So all pretty fair enough from my standpoint. Yeah, fair call. Steve? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, especially, I mean, Brand, um, Gray and Ling, they were very much expected. Um, Carruthers, I mean, it was his first year as a rookie. He didn't really get much of a shot at it. You know, he managed to play about half a season out of the VFL season that ended early and was full of major disruptions prior to it ending early. But then I guess if the Swans had seen something in him, I imagine they would have made an effort to keep him on, you know, relatively low rookie money. He looked fine. I mean, I watched a few of the games he was in the VFL. He looked pretty good. But, you know, it's hard on the TV, especially with the like limited camera angles you get in the VFL. So you don't really see everything they're doing, especially what they're doing defensively. So it's kind of hard to judge. But, yeah, um, yeah, none of them, I think, will be – I mean, they're not going to be badly missed, are they, any of those players? Yeah. Uh, look, Brand performed a role when he needed to. Obviously, um, Gray was Papley cover, I think, for that almost trade to Carlton. Um, Lewis Taylor sort of fits, falls into that category as well. I'm with you, Jules. I was expecting more from Gray um, when he played round one against the Crows and, and kicked that absolute clanger to miss the goal from 15 metres out. I thought, oh, goodness, what's happening here? Um, but, yeah, Ling, I thought it was a bit unfortunate. You know, he was uh, hit with injuries. Um, he was a first-round pick. I think he was pick 14, um, a Geelong Falcons product. So he's another highly touted um, left footer. Steve, I know you love your left footers. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit unfortunate. I think Ling um, couldn't have more of a run at it. Um, look, Carruthers, I was very bullish about. Um, and I think I mentioned to you, Steve, throughout the year, the course of the year, um, that I had seen something that I thought I'd seen something in Carruthers that, like, said – I almost thought he could have been pushing for, for best 26 next year. Um, so I'm, I'm quite disappointed because I just thought he was one of these players that had time on the ball. Um, yeah, but yeah, maybe he was, you know, his defensive patterns weren't great. Maybe his, his man up work wasn't great. So look, it makes sense. We get it. Um, it's disappointing, obviously, for these players. But if we think about what the Swans have done over the past couple of years, um, there's been uh, you know, a number of players that have come in for a year and a bit um, just to you know, perform a role or add to depth. And I'm talking like Dan Menzel, um, Jackson Thurlow. These are all sort of um, players that were pushed out, that were brought in to help out and maybe could have rolled on, but we sort of had them there for a year or two and then moved them on. So I think Brand and Gray uh, are in that category for sure. All right, let's move over to Dawson, the big talking point. Jules, what's on your mind? Oh, ouch is what's on my yeah. mind. Um, yeah. And I think we've all, I think, admitted that this one's feeling pretty raw. Yeah. Um, look, just just given how much we've invested in him in the last few years, and, and I think we were pretty patient, you know, with him. He, he did have a few injuries, and I think we really – I think we've done really well with Dawson and, and played a huge role in, in his development as a player, and he, he now seems to be hitting his prime. So it, mm-hmm. it does – it really hurts to lose him now. Um, in terms of where he's going to go, well, it sounds like it will be Adelaide, uh, which mm-hmm. is a team that he supported as a kid. So that's nice for him, I suppose. Um, And I think they've probably got a little bit more room in their salary cap than Port does. I think, think you know, the thing with with Dawson is he's worth a bit. Um, So I really Mm. do hope, you know, that we play hardball here, Um, you know, and... you know, there's a, a few sort of uh, stories going around in terms of what, what pick he's worth and, and, and what Adelaide's willing to give up. But, um, yeah, it's got to be an absolute minimum, I would have thought, of, you know, of, of their first pick, which I think I believe is four, is it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. Steve-O? Yeah, Doss. I mean, you asked before, how do we replace him? And oh, we don't. That's the answer is we don't replace him because neither Adelaide or Port Adelaide or, or any other club in the AFL that we decide to trade with, if we go down that path, is going to give us a player of his quality in a swap direct. It's just not going to happen. So we're not going to replace him, at least not in the short term. Um, and look, and honestly, I'm I'm okay with players wanting to be near to family, especially now with you know Australia's got um, quite strict state border closures. There's a lot of general uncertainty around how things are going to be in the next you know months and, and even years in Australia with the COVID regulations. Um, so fair enough, I guess. Um, and and I took it from the Crows' point of view, they've lost some pretty good players to the go-home factor themselves. I mean, yeah, Dangerfield and Lever are two who come immediately to mind that they've lost to the same thing. So, you know, good on them for getting one back the other way. But if we're going to lose a player this good, I want something good back. You know, I, I want fair compensation. And for a player who's, you know, shaping to be a, a multiple All-Australian over the next, you know, three, four or five years, and is certainly, I think, in the top five of those from his draft. Yeah, okay, he was drafted in the 50s, but if he did the draft again, he'd be a top five pick in that draft. I think, like Jules said, their first pick, pick four, which will become pick six after these two father-son kids go to um to Collingwood and the Bulldogs. So effectively, pick six seems about right. And if, if we can't get a fair deal, I'd rather send him to the draft to prove a point. I don't want another repeat of the earlier mess from last year or like even the Tom Mitchell one from a few years ago. Mm. Good points, guys. Um, if if Chera is worth two first-round picks, then surely Dawson is. I know he didn't start. Yeah. He wasn't a high draft pick in his own draft year. But as Steve-O, as you just mentioned, um, I'm just going to quickly re- read out the top 10 from the 2015 national draft pick, right? Uh, sorry, national draft. Wiedering, Shaki, Mills, you, Millsy, over to you, Jules. Oliver, Parrish, Francis, Hopper, Archie, Wiedemann, and McKay. And that's, that's the top 10. There's, there's some names of note um, in, the, in the bottom half there. Um, players of note from outside the first round, uh, Keys, Dunkley, uh, Bonner, Matheson, Jordan Dawson at pick 56, Menegola at 66. Um, so, like, the, if you were to do it today, as, as Steve-O said, I, I, would, I did this as an exercise. It would probably be, for me, Oliver, Parrish, Mills, Hopper, Dunkley, Dawson, Weedering, McKay, Menegola, and Keys. Yeah, but right. I know okay. that's, that's putting you guys on the spot. I know that probably, actually thinking about that, you could probably put Mills above Parrish there. Um, Hopper is a gun. A handy draft, isn't it, all in all? Handy, bloody handy yeah. draft. So my, my point is, though, um, Dawson has to be a first-round pick. Like, it's just it's just such um, a no-brainer for me. Uh, the Crows have got four, 23, and 37 before it's junk. Um, Port had 16 before junk, but if we're looking at Crows now, we just focus on them. Um, out of contract and possibly useful to the Swans, as, as Jules has touched on, is Talia, KD, um, Ronan O'Connor is a young inside mid to fill that um, inside mid depth that Steve O's talking about, but he's a WA boy, not going to happen. Then there's Ben Davis, who's a third tall. He's an ex Sydney Swans Academy boy. Uh, but yeah, I just can't see us looking at them. The only player from the Crows that I would look at now is Harry Schoenberg or Matt Crouch or Jordan Butts. Um, but yeah, they're contracted, doesn't mean they're ungettable, but still makes it a bit trickier, right? Um, if Port is still in the mix, then, yeah, uh, Jackson Mead we, we bid on. Um, he's the player we bid on before we took Will Gould. Uh, he's an inside midfielder, father-son for Port, so probably a hard one to get. Riley Bonner, as I just mentioned, um, I think he's in um, contract talks to extend for a year. Kane Farrell's um, out of contract. He's also a left footer, um, pretty smooth. Um, otherwise, there's Laddams, 
um, which I know has been in the um, the media over the last 28, 24, 48 hours. So apologies for all the chat on this, but yeah, it really is the big talking point for us uh, Swans fans. And um, I just hope that we can man up this year because I've got a bad feeling about this one, guys. I'm, I'm not feeling very good. Um, I know, Steve, you said off air previously that you would rather Dawson's walk to the draft than us get uh, an unfavourable result. Are you still feeling that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think that this this whole culture of um, of players saying, I'm going to this club and this club only gives so much um, so much power to the receiving, or like the destination club, in this case, Adelaide. Um, bugger him, send him to the draft because he's worth so much more. That list you read out, those players, like of those top five, I would actually put Dawson ahead of Parrish and Dunkley in that list. And I think it's just based on him not being a Victorian player with a profile. Like if this was Parrish yeah. up for draft, they'd happily give away their fourth pick. Yeah. It's a weird thing, isn't it, Jules? It's, a, it's this sort of weird Vic bias or something that, um, you know, if it, I can't, it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just paranoid as a New South Wales uh, Welsh yeah. I don't know. Do you feel that there, Jules? Like, because you're yeah, originally South Melbourne, but like, what? It's, and it's I know hard we're talking about us. a South Australian, but yeah. Yeah. So. No. Well, it is. It's hard, right? Because because the go home factor, when you're a New South Wales based club, you don't have you don't you don't you're not on the receiving end of as many of those. No, Nick and Davis so, was the last one I can remember, and that was 20 yeah. years ago, and that was. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah, and look, and look, I hate, I hate to bring up our favourite drink, the cola, um, <laughs> and the lack thereof. But yeah. Sydney is expensive, right? And yeah. and um, and when you've got a you know a, a player like Dawson, who's you know originally from Adelaide, and his money's going to go so much further, mm. further there. And it, I just, I just think, yeah, we are at a disadvantage for so many reasons. The cost of living is definitely one of them, but the go home factor is, is 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 large. And I think you know also our players are underrated, and these other clubs just quietly sitting there bank banking them. You know, and we're not we're not getting fair compensation, and we don't seem to put up very much of a fight, which I find fascinating. So it's, yeah, I'm it's with curious, you isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I think I think Dawson, I think they're saying Dawson is around 500k a year for five years, and I'm just thinking, I reckon the Swans offered that, and and yeah, maybe it's the, the family thing. Oh, maybe we didn't. I don't know. It's it's a bit hard to know, but we we've nailed so many rookie draft success stories. But like our our good our feel good stories like Dawson um, is just like just I don't know exploding in our face this time round because I don't know we we didn't prepare ourselves or we didn't give him what he wanted when he wanted it it was just I don't know yeah I don't know if I'm with you Steve I don't know if I'd send him into the draft I'm really hoping that we can do something with the Crows the fact that Matty Nix is there um, doesn't guarantee that they're going to negotiate with us in good faith but you'd like to hope. As an ex-Swan, he's not going <laughs> to, who knows, leave us stranded. But well, bets yeah. are off probably now, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. and is it yeah. even Nick's doing it? Like, isn't it their list management people and stuff that are, yeah, that are fighting over this? It, like, it will be, but yeah. surely Horse plays, you know, I think when it comes to us, Horse would play a part. So I think the coach, you know, has a say, but yeah, it's ultimately driven by the list management side of things. They're equivalent, Kinnear Beetson. But um, all right, we've spoken a bit on Dawson. Um, this is the big one, but let's move on quickly to Georgie Hewitt. Over to you, Jules. 
Yeah, interesting, as I do think, along with Lloyd, he's amongst our most underrated players. And it seems like um, even last year they were sort of looking looking to dish him off, which which is interesting. Mm. He just, you know, sort of quietly goes about things and, and is very influential and, and, you know, none more so than in that elimination final that we've, that we've talked about at length. But, um, yeah, I was, was a bit surprised that we haven't made a huge amount of effort to keep him. Um, you know, it all goes back possibly to this dollar squeeze and you know it sounds like he's he's going to be on a pretty good wicket um going across to the blues um in terms of you know replacements and all these sorts of things in terms of what what, what we're going to do with these you know two huge losses um for me you know just just seeing the continued development of, of Braden Campbell particularly I've, I've heard this the left boot a couple of times and he does have a, a searing a searing um, left kick. So I think he will be pretty massive. And, and of course, you know, the Lizard and, and Jazzy McInerney as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how we go about covering these losses because these are, these are large. Yeah, absolutely. steve Yeah, look, I'm sad to see him go. I think he's a really reliable player. Um, and I think I said earlier, he was second in our best and fairest just two years ago. So he's a, he's a very good player. Um, you know, Carlton must have offered him a deal that the Swans just couldn't come close to matching and, you know, all the best to him. Um, and I guess it, it opens up opportunities for some of the younger guys, like, um, like I guess in there in the midfield, guys like Warner, Robottom have got a chance to step into the space that he's left and start to become sort of more consistent contributors in the seniors. But really, I'd love to get a like-for-like replacement somehow through a trade. Yeah, um, so for me, um, as I said, 450 a year uh, for four years, like good on him. Obviously, I just can't believe we couldn't find that anywhere in the cap. But obviously, with COVID reductions, you know, everyone was under pressure and none more than us with, um, you know, everyone says it's it's all buddy and, you know, it is a big factor. But yeah, I think, as you said, Jules Kohler is also on the minds of these players that are from much cheaper to live in states. Um, look, um, he's a restricted free agent, so the Swans can match that if they choose to, but they probably won't, given that Tom Harley said, uh, as you've already said, Jules, you know, he's, he's up for you know, to explore his options, and they looked at that last year as well to try and get more. Um, but, look, I think he should get a half-decent... We should get a half-decent compo, um, hopefully. Uh, maybe a second rounder, early third, hopefully an early second round would be great. But if we were to go into a trade with Carlton, and I don't know if we would do that if we're going to get compensation, um, I don't, don't mind the look of Matthew Kennedy. He's 24. He's from New South Wales originally. He was pick 13, um, I think, in the 2014, 15, 2014, 13 or 14. You do the math. <laughs> um, draft. He was a high draft. He was a first-round draft pick. He went to the Giants, couldn't crack in there with their stellar midfield, and then went to uh, Carlton, had a few injuries but was playing as a forward he's 190 centimeters so he's that sort of tall inside mid type that could be a long-term josh kennedy replacement um you know i don't know i don't know if we're we're going to trade a players um if we get the compo but yeah it's hard to replace someone like george hewitt it really is um so yeah if it's not as you're saying jules like campbell um lizard jazzy warner maybe even golden on the wing who knows um it's going to be hard to replace him, to be honest. So let's wait and see what happens because it's it's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, thanks for your thoughts on that one there, guys. Um, we're going to move over to our grand final prediction section. Um, so obviously the grand final is going to take place this Saturday, the 25th of September at Optus Stadium in Perth from 5.15 p.m. local time, which is 7.15 p.m. Um, over, yeah, I want to say, the Eastern States, but it's Australian Eastern Standard Time. 
um, between the Melbourne Demons and the Western Bulldogs. So, guys, just four questions. I want you to answer quick fire. Who's going to win? Who's going to score the first goal? Who's going to have the most disposals? And who's going to win the Norm Smith medal for best on ground? Uh, Steve-O. All right. Melbourne to win. Bontempelli, first goal. Clayton Oliver, most touches, I reckon 35 plus he'll get. And Max Gorn wins the Norm Smith. <laughs> nice. Uh, how about you, Jules? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be close, but I've gone the winner will be the D's. First goal yep. to Big Maxi Gorn. Most disposals to Clayton Oliver and the Norm Smith going to Christian Petrarca. Oh, there's some good answers there. All right, I've got, yeah, the D's to break the drought and get the win. Um, I've got first goal going to Charlie Spargo. Um, hopefully he pulls up after his ankle mishap during the week. Um, most disposals to Jackson McRae, but yeah, it could be Clayton. Um, and Norm Smith, I'm going to go with, with Clary, uh, Clayton Oliver. So they're my predictions there. Um, right, so upcoming shows. Um, I think we're going to aim to do another trade and draft wrap episode at some point in the next month. Um, so keep your eyes out for a podcast release announcement on all of our socials. Um, I know we're all going to be following that very excitedly, given how much we, <laughs> we've all had to say on the matter. And I know a lot of Swans fans are in the same boat. Uh, but that brings us to the end of this episode. So um, I'd just like to thank Jules once again for joining us today. It was such a pleasure, pleasure having you on. Um, we hope that you'll be able to join us again every now and then going forward if it wasn't too, too, uh, too painful for you. But, um, yeah, thanks again, Jules. Thank you. No, it's actually been very cathartic. I feel like I can put this year behind <laughs> us now and, <laughs> and look forward to what's to come. So, look, thanks very much, both of you, for having me on. And, and yeah, I can't, can't wait to come back if, if you'll have me. Awesome. Absolutely. Lock it in. Uh, that's great. All right. On behalf of the bevy, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for listening in. We look forward to you joining us next time. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a bevy of bloods for updates and announcements. Please feel free also to check out a quick bevy with Swans fans on YouTube or Spotify. A quick bevy is another fan podcast I do with my fellow home game members, Chris and Brett, in which Swans fans come on to answer some burning bloods related questions over a bevy or two. Until then, up the bloods and can you Swannies? You! <laughs> you! <laughs>